0: please open up to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. In our study, um, the scripture that the Lord has placed before us tonight is, uh, the title of the study is this, Christ is Supreme. Christ is Supreme. Now, maybe you guys have uh, younger kids you know, and, or maybe you see kids around, nephews, nieces, and you see these shirts that say supreme, these hats, these socks, and, you know, all this gear that says supreme. And you're probably like, what does that mean? You know? Um, it, it, it's a worldly concept. I, I know it's a worldly concept. But here in, in Colossians, we see that, you know, who is supreme? Christ is supreme. Christ is supreme, He is the highest and the ultimate. Now, many of us here tonight, we would, say, we would say we want to be in the center of God's will. How many of you tonight here would say, you know what, I want to be in the center of God's will. I I'm Myself, my hands raised with you, and I would definitely want to be in the center of God's will. Uh, we might offer a prayer such as, God's will be done. Or we might pray, God, show me your ultimate will for my life. But I think more important than that, we need to pray and make Jesus the center of our will. The center of our lives. We need, he needs to be the ultimate treasure to us. He needs to be and he wants to be the center of our life. And I love in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus said this. In Matthew six twenty one. he says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Be. And I like that because, you know what, Jesus needs to be the treasure in my life. Um, many a times we say, yeah, he is, but our actions show otherwise. Or maybe at one point, he was the treasure of my life. He was the center of my life. Everything was kind of to the side, and here was Jesus. But over time, things crept in. <laughs> You know, the stresses of work, the stress of family, um, you know, just being run down year after year, maybe. And, and, and without us noticing, Jesus might not be the center of your life any longer. He, he might be on the sidelines. And, and now there might be career is the center of my life. It might be wife or husband is the center of my life. It might be possessions. My car is the center of my life. All these other things creep in and become the center of our lives without us even knowing. But tonight, I believe that the Lord would want to want us to return and to put Jesus where he rightfully belongs in the center of our lives. And if we say we follow Christ, then he definitely should be the center of our lives. Because Jesus said, again, for where." Your treasure is there. Your heart will be, and and it's funny because our hearts are so um so deceitful at times. You know our hearts change very often. You know I've I've had a privilege of uh, of serving in youth ministry a uh, while back, and uh, just to, to go throughout the years and and you know young young love right young love. No, this is the one for me. This is the girl I'm going to marry. I love this girl with all my heart. I'll do anything for her. No, that's the guy of my dreams. We're going to get married. Uh, once we graduate high school, we're going to move away and get married. All right. Sounds good. And so next week, I can't stand him. <laughs> I can't stand this person. I don't like this person. And it just shows that our hearts are so, so indifferent. They change at, at, at any point of time. But Jesus needs to be... Um, the center in our hearts. He wants to take that residency within our hearts. Jesus is our treasure, and our hearts should be devoted to him. Now I want to ask you this question here tonight. If you could go to heaven and you could have all the enjoyment of heaven, you could see your loved ones in heaven. There would be no more pain, no more sorrow in heaven, but Jesus would not be there. Jesus would not be there. Would you still want to go to heaven? Jesus makes up heaven, right? I mean, if, if we're thinking of all these other things apart from Jesus when we get to heaven, then we have it all wrong. And so for many of us, we would say, no, I, if Jesus is not in heaven, then that doesn't really make it heaven. And I definitely don't want to be where Jesus is not. And so if not, if you answer if you answer like that and say, no, I wouldn't want to be in heaven, then why do we try to live out our Christianity apart from Christ? We come to the Lord and we get saved. We give our lives to Jesus Christ. And somewhere along the line, we, we start to live out our Christianity apart from Christ. You know, no longer walking in the Spirit, we walk in the flesh. Hey, I could uh, walk and I could serve the Lord in the flesh. Uh, Probably no one notices, and and I've been doing this for uh, many years, so I I know what to do. I know what time service starts. I I know the whole program. I know the game. Uh, I could do this apart from Christ, but be careful, because Christianity, apart from Christ, it's not Christianity at all. Without Christ being the center of our lives, our Christianity, it, it merely becomes rules and regulations. It becomes religion rather than a relationship with Jesus Christ, and, and how many of you guys were saved from religion? How many of you guys tried religion in the past and saw that go nowhere? All, all it made you was frustrated. All, all it, it made you think is, hey, I, I could live like hell. I could get right with the Lord on Sunday and feel good, and I could go right back to everything, right? I could party on the weekends and go to church on Sunday and be forgiven and then go right back doing what I, would, I was doing. That doesn't work. We must make Him the center of our lives and put Him where He rightfully deserves to be. There is a quote by uh, Rabbi Zacharias, and it says, Outside of the cross of Jesus Christ, there is no hope in the world. The cross and the resurrection are at the core of the gospel, and the gospel is the only hope for humanity. Wherever you go, ask God for wisdom on how to get that gospel in and how to get it out. Even in the toughest of situations of life, Christ needs to be the center of our lives. Jesus put it like this in Matthew six thirty three. He says, but seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Meaning, Jesus needs to be the center of our life. Now this letter, uh, Colossians, it was written by the Apostle Paul during one of his many stays in uh, Roman custody. Uh, it was about the year of uh, 63 A.D. And although Paul had had never personally visited the church of Colossae, he heard about their faithfulness. He heard this uh, faithfulness of the church through uh, Epaphras. Ep- ep- epiphris, ep- epiphris. Uh, he was a, a believer and he visited probably more likely he visit Paul in inside the prison um, where Paul was staying and he told them of what was going on the work that was that was done being done and, and I like this man because I like him for this simple reason is as he was gossiping in a way he was talking about good stuff and, and so many times people when they gossip or when they have something to say about someone it's negative right oh man, you know what? I got to tell you about this guy or I have to tell you about this girl. But you know, this guy, man, he went out and he told Paul, hey, Paul, I have to tell you about this church. And now we know the apostle Paul wrote like most of the New Testament and we've read the letters, you know, 1st, 2nd Corinthians and on um, Ephesians, Galatians and all these other letters where he rebukes the church, where he has to write a letter of rebuke, where there was issues coming up. So think about this, you know, when, when, I, when I thought about this, I thought about Pastor Tony and Pastor Joe. And I just thought, like, throughout the years, how many times have they been brought with problems? <laughs> Do you know this person? Do you know what this person's doing? Do you know what that person's doing? Do you know what's going on here? Do you know what's going on? And, and it's always so negative. But, but I, I, I love this guy because he comes out uh, and, and he speaks of good. He talks about the church, and he talks about the church in Colossae, and he says, hey, Paul, there's a great work going on in that church. He tells about the faithfulness and the love that these people had in Christ, but he also, but he also tells Paul at the same time about the struggles and the temptations that face them as they are trying to live out their newfound faith in Jesus Christ. Paul wanted to encourage them to make Jesus the center of their worship. And so that's where, that's where we get this letter. And so Paul's heart is, is, is the heart of a, of a pastor wanting to encourage these people to carry on. Although they lived in a time where there was, where it was, uh, they lived in a, a city that was immoral. They lived where there was idol worship going on. Uh, everything seemed like, like, like following Jesus was so contrary to the customs of the time that they were living in. And isn't it the same as for us, as believers in Christ? I feel as the years go on in Jesus Christ, we become a minority. There's less and less of believers. You know, we see that in the workplace. We see that in school. We see that wherever we go, there are less and less believers in Jesus Christ. We see that in our family lives, right? We have those What, maybe some of you tomorrow might go out to a barbecue with the family, right? And we see that, like, there's hardly any believers, but you know what? There's you, and you are the light in this dark time, and you need to stand strong. And so Paul was encouraging this church, hey, stand strong. And so he says, for this reason, we also, since today we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, the Apostle Paul was a man of prayer. He was a man of prayer. How important it is for the believer in Christ to be a man or woman of prayer. We need to believe that when we pray by faith, God hears our prayers. Maybe he doesn't answer them right away, but he definitely hears our prayers. Our prayers don't fall upon deaf ears. God hears our prayers. In the book of Revelation, it says that he stores our prayers in these jars, And we could kind of say, oh, that's cool. But think about it. Man, what about those nights, those lonely nights, those nights where you were at your wits end, didn't know how you were going to pay the mortgage, didn't know how you were going to repair that car, didn't know how you were going to feed your children, and you just cry out at night, Lord, help me, please help me, and you fall asleep and don't think twice about it. Do you know that prayer is stored up in a jar? That God heard that prayer? He loves you so much that he heard that prayer and he put it in a jar. And he remembers that prayer. That prayer doesn't go, for; it's not forgotten. God remembers that prayer. We may forget, you know, oh yeah, I just kind of said this prayer. But you know what? It was our heart. It was our heart crying out to God. And God stored and he keeps those prayers. We need to be people of prayer. And we need to believe that God is in the business of answering prayers. God just didn't answer prayers before. God is wanting to answer prayers tonight. God is wanting to answer prayers tomorrow, in the future. God is still a God that answer the, answers the prayers of his people. So we need to be in prayer. We need to pray for those. Um, Paul's prayer, I, I love Paul's prayer in, prayer in this section. Because he says, um, he says, it says that he doesn't stop to pray for these people and to ask that that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. It would be more beneficial for us to pray than to complain. But I don't know about you guys. Sometimes in my flesh, it feels better for me to complain than (laughs) to pray. (laughs) <laughs> you know, uh, maybe you've heard that before. I just got to vent. <laughs> I, I just have to let everyone, I just have to get this off my heart or get this, you know, and, and we complain many times and t- instead of uh, praying. This was Paul's prayer for the people, but it's also, it also, it's also Christ's desire for our lives. We need to pray for those who are walking strong in the faith. You know, as Paul prayed for these people, they were walking strong in the faith. They weren't backslidden, they were walking strong. And we need to pray for those that are walking strong in the faith. You know, we have a tendency, and it's not a bad tendency, but we do have a tendency to pray for those who are struggling and those who are um, backslidden. That's a good thing. But at the same time, we can't forget those that are walking strong in the faith. You know, as, as those people come to your mind and you think about them, lift them up in prayer that they would continue to walk strong in the faith. You know, I, I love what the author of Hebrew says that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And, and as you look around the church in the, in the body of Christ, know this, there's a great cloud of witnesses. There's strong men in the faith. There's strong women in the faith. You know, there, there's, there's men that have been walking, women that have been walking for 20, 25 years with Jesus Christ. Those are good examples, but we need to remember those people and pray for them. Pray that they would continue and finish well. We need to pray that we would continue to be strong in the Lord as well. You know, the Bible says, take heed lest you fall. And, and we may think, hey, you know what, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting two services a week <laughs> You know, I have a little devotional time in the morning. I, I lift up a couple of prayers. I'm on my way uh, I'm, not into any i'm not dabbling into any major sin, so i'm doing good and we may see That in our lives and think i'm i'm okay I'm, okay And then someone else comes our way that's struggling and you may think lord i'm i'm good Look at this guy or look at this girl compared to me. I'm good Pray you need to pray pray that the lord makes you strong that he and if you are strong pray that he makes you stronger We must also take notice Of what the apostle paul prayed for He prayed for these people, but what did he pray for? He didn't pray that they would uh become rich He didn't pray that they would be comfortable Not that um, he didn't pray that they would get that new job. They would get that raise (laughs) They would be blessed with that new car that they've been saving for He didn't pray that they would find their their soul mate He didn't pray for those things He prayed for them to know the knowledge of his will the knowledge of god's will for their lives Our first priority Is to know god and what he wants from us for us This starts with us walking with God and having a relationship with Him. Now, this should be the priority of our lives. That we want to know God and what He wants for us. And this starts with having a relationship with God. You know, for those of you who are married, if there's not communication within the marriage, then there's going to be problems within the marriage. You with a, uh, you know, best friend. If you don't communicate with your best friend, Guess what? They're not your best friend, or they won't be your best friend for very long. There needs to be this constant communication. In Ephesians 1.9, uh, Paul writes this to the church in Ephesus. He says, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Now, we can have um, knowledge of God's will, or we can have knowledge of God's will, but he wants all to be saved and then to serve him. So we need to start from the beginning. We need to like kind of have a reset and to get centered. Okay, what does God desire of my life? What is God's will for my life? God's will is that all men would get saved. That all men would be saved. That's God's will. That, that's not necessarily man's will, right? Right? Man has their different uh, plans and different programs, but God's heart is that none would perish and all would come to uh, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Everyone. Okay? We start there. If you're not saved here tonight, God's will for your life is that you get saved tonight. Now, if you are saved, God's will is this, that you would serve Him wholeheartedly. In whatever capacity that you pray about and you think about, whatever gifts and talents you have, they would be beneficial to the church, to the local church. If you make this your church home, then get plugged in and serve here. If not, if it's another church, then get plugged in there. But serve wherever you're at. If, If you're at work, be a servant. If you're, you know, pray that God opens the door that you share with people. And that that's God's plan for your life. That's His will for your life. He also wants us to have wisdom. God will give us wisdom that we need as we seek His face. Many times we might say, Man, I just need some wisdom in this circumstance. I need some wisdom with the things that I'm dealing with. But apart from Christ, and apart from God's Word, what, what kind of wisdom are you looking at? You know, um sometimes people bring up problems you know to me and, and, and they want counsel, but they're not saved, and I don't know what necessarily I could do for them, because apart from Christ, I, I have no good words, you know, what can I say? The, the sun will come out tomorrow. <laughs> you know <laughs> I, I have no words to say apart from Christ, because they're not saved. And and so we need to, the wisdom that we have is, it comes from God. It comes from God. And and that's where wisdom starts. That's where true wisdom starts. Paul prayed that they would have spiritual understanding. Understanding of what God wants for their lives. And, And true spiritual understanding is knowing who God is, but also knowing who you are. God is holy, perfect, pure. God does not make mistakes. God is not a liar. Me, on the other hand, (laughs) I'm imperfect. (laughs) I make mistakes. I am a liar at times. And once we get that in our minds, knowing, hey, this is God and this is man, then I, I think we could put the pieces together we we could have this spiritual understanding of man, man apart from Christ is wicked. I don't care how good they are or a moral person that they seem to be, apart from Christ, man is wicked. Me, apart from Christ, I'm a wicked man. The only thing that's good in me is Jesus Christ. And once we have that understanding in our lives, I, I think that makes a big difference. Knowing who God is and knowing who I am. That that's huge. That needs to be like the, a foundation part in our lives. And then he moves on to verse 10 through 11. He says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and longsuffering with joy. To walk worthy, fully pleasing Him, Are we more concerned with pleasing man than to please God? We need to be concerned with pleasing God rather than pleasing man. Because when you try to please man, you may find out very quickly that you can't please man. You can't please man. There's always something. There's always something. There's something that that you always... you'll, You'll drive yourself crazy. So we need to be pleasing to God. And once we're pleasing to God... It, the funny thing is, is, as we start serving God, as, as we're getting serious about our relationship with God, as, as we want to please God rather than please man, the funny thing is, is that God takes us and lifts us higher, uh, away from all that drama with man. I, I don't want, I don't see man anymore. I I, I don't see these little, these little cork, or uh, these little, like, imperfections in man any longer. I All I see is Jesus, and and. and my family members that aren't saved, I don't see like, oh, they do this, they do that. All I see is they're not saved. You know, Father, forgive them. They know what they do. The Bible says that the God of this world, which is Satan, has blinded them. So they don't know. And then to go further, I wasn't always saved, <laughs> you know, uh, like so many of you. We've had past, you know. We can't fake it. We can't act like we could come here and be, hey, I'm like super spiritual man now, but you know what? We need to go back to remember where I was before Christ saved me. Not to glorify in it and not to tell stories. Hey, guess what I did, you know? Not not none of that, but it's a good reminder because you see where you're at and you see what God did in your life. You know, God worked these things out. I wasn't looking to get saved. I didn't know salvation. I didn't understand the concept. I didn't know any of that. I didn't know a church. I didn't know a Christian church. I knew, hey, go to Catholic church on Sunday and be forgiven for what you did and you're good to go, right? But I didn't know any of that. All I knew was I was empty inside. All I knew is I was a sinner. All I knew is that people looked down at me and what I heard The first time I heard the gospel message was that Jesus loves me, and he could save me, and he could wash me, forgive me of all those sins. And and I think that's the best message that I ever heard. Because in my life, I I felt like I was never forgiven, truly. You know people say that. I'll forgive you, but I won't forget. (laughs) You know, that's the world concept, right? And, And so therefore, family, friends forgave me, but they would bring it up often. Hey, remember I forgave you for that one time when you did this or that? And I'd be like, oh, man, dude, this is like a cloud on my head. But when I heard the gospel message of Jesus Christ, man, he'd forgive me of my sins. He would cleanse me and wash me. He would bring them up no more. Man would, but God would never. And I think that's the most beautiful message that I've ever heard. And that's a message that shouldn't get old. It shouldn't be stale. That's a message that needs to be within the church. That that needs to be within our hearts, our minds, our souls. Man, Jesus saves sinners. That's the best message. And he moves on and he he says to uh, be fruitful. Be fruitful in all that we do. In Hebrews 13, 21, it says, make... Make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you, what is well-pleasing in, the si- in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Pleasing in his sight. Being fruitful. You know, as we go out and, and we live in this world, we need to be fruitful in the things that we do. As we're working unto the Lord. You know, maybe you work a job that you can't stand. A job that doesn't pay? Well, what job pays enough, right? (laughs) And you're like, oh man, here I go again, uh, going to this job and I can't stand this job. Uh, Can't stand the people here. I'm not getting paid. I'm getting paid peanuts and just whatever it may be. But you know what? Be fruitful at that job. Be a good witness. Know that you're at that job because God has placed you there. And if God is with you and he placed you there, then he wants to use you there. I think so many times we leave our i don 't know our spiritual helmets here at church, <laughs> right, and we go out in the world and we 're just doing our thing, and all oh, the world's wicked. Watch out for this person, watch out for them don't don't mingle with the world, stay away from the world, come back to the church, put our spiritual helmets okay i 'm safe, but no, be that light in the world, be fruitful out in the world because you may be the only the only believer that someone sees and 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 know this there's still people out there who have not heard the gospel message i know many a times we may think man i hear the gospel message like every wednesday and sunday (laughs) so everyone has to have heard the message right everyone has not heard the message god has you in that spot for a reason to be fruitful and then he moves on and he says increasing in knowledge of god now worldly knowledge a lot of people seek after worldly knowledge and, and and it's a good thing, you know, that's a good thing to go to school, get an education, get a degree. Um, those are all good things, but that's, at the end of the day, that's worldly knowledge. And the Bible says, like, in, what, it says, knowledge um, puffs up, but love edifies. And, and it's like this worldly knowledge kind of puffs people up, right? Oh, I have this degree. <laughs> I majored in this. Uh, I went to this, uh, this uh, college, right? I don't think they're throwing out, like... Uh, like Citrus or Mount Sac, but there are other other colleges, right? <laughs> I went to this university, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm like, well, I went to I went to Citrus, so <laughs> no. <laughs> but um, <laughs> this knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. But here, Paul is saying, increasing in the knowledge of God, the knowledge of God. But the more we know of God. The more we'll understand the primary principles of our life the knowledge of god and and it's it's so man it's so refreshing because when you come to christ it's like god evens the playground he he levels out the whole field everyone's the same in christ pastor joe pastor tony um, these people have been saved for 50 years they're the same as the new believer in christ everything's fair and not only that, everybody has their textbook. <laughs> you have time to study. Take that upon you whenever you want to. But God, everyone has the Word of God, a Bible. Especially now, man, we got like the Bible app. Got like most the majority of people have like three or four Bibles thrown around their house. Uh, you could you know turn on Christian radio, listen to studies, uh, podcast. There's there's no excuse. And so that's the cool thing, because it's like the knowledge of God. If, if we don't have the knowledge of God, the only one we could blame is ourselves. The only one we could blame is ourselves. God gives us this knowledge, and He, he makes His knowledge available, because He wants us to know Him. He wants us to know Him. The more we know God, the more we will understand, understand Him. I mean, we ask these questions. Many people ask these questions. They ask, where, where, where did I come from? Why am I here? Right? A lot of people ask these questions, and those are, those are major questions of life. Those are questions that people have, that, that, that the majority of people have. And I believe the Word of God answers all of these questions. Where did sin come from? You know, um, why am I this way? Why is there, why am I, you know, a sinner, all these questions that you may have, I believe that the Bible gives, or the Bible gives answers for, but the knowledge of God. We need, to, we need to seek the knowledge of God. It'll make our minds and our lives more Christ-centered instead of being self-centered as, as we take our eyes off ourselves and put them on. Just learning. Just learning about God. And, and, and maybe right now, tonight, you have all these issues going on in your life. Yeah, everything's up in the air. You don't know career-wise. You don't know marriage-wise. You don't know family-wise. You don't know anything. You, you, everything's so up in the air. But you know what? Spend time with God. Getting that knowledge of God. And, and what I've found in my relationship with Jesus is the more I study the Word of God, the more I'm into learning um, the attributes of God, learning how, how my God is, what his personality is like, um, the less I focus on the things around me. It's not that they change. (laughs) I still have problems. It's it's not that a lot of things change, but you know what? I start to change. And, And now, once again, Jesus becomes the center of my life, and that's where he wants to be. And Paul moves on, and he says, strengthened in all might, according to his power and not my own. We need strength. We need to be strong. You know, we need to be strong. The church needs to be strong, and the church needs strong men to lead the church. Godly men. You know, so many times we see weak, not physically, but spiritually weak men. We see a weak church. And I believe that stems from uh, uh, men, you know. Men, you have a primary role within the church, within your local church. And you need to be strong in the faith. Not strong physically, you know. Some of us are strong physically or were strong physically at one time. But you need to be strong in the faith. You need to be strong in the faith, man. We deal with so many different situations in our lives. And they could bring us down. They could break us down emotionally. You know, maybe some of you thought about, maybe sometime this week, thought, hey, I'm just, I'm just going to walk away from the Lord. I have so much going on. Let me just take a break. Let me <laughs> You're like, "God, time out. <laughs> time out. Let me just let me take a couple weeks and just have a time out." But you know what? The Lord will strengthen you during those times. We need to be strong, but not in our own strength or our own power. And I believe that's where our mi- our mistake lies as we try to be strong in our own strength or our own power. You know, let me just let me just get through this. Let me just not say anything and just go through the motions and, and it'll pass. Let me not say, let me not just ask for prayer from anyone. Let me be isolated. And, and that's what the enemy loves. When he he loves to he loves to conquer, he loves to divide. He loves to divide us, and then he could conquer us. But we need to be strong, not in our own strength, but the power of his strength. Right? And the, and the prophet Zechariah in 4-6. Uh, Zechariah 4 6 he says but not by by might nor by my power but by my spirit says the Lord and I love that verse because um Pastor Chuck you know I was like watching some stuff about his life and that was one of the verses that the Lord gave him when he started uh, the Calvary Chapel movement and I just thought it was really cool that he was like okay if I'm gonna do this thing it's gonna be in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not going to be by his own strength, by his own might. It's not going to be he's thinking, okay, let me pick this guy, this guy, this guy. Oh, this guy's good at this. Let me pick these people and bring them together and let's go and start a church. It was like, it has to be the Lord. It has to be the Lord. It has to be the Lord. The Lord is the one who gives us strength. And then he moves on and he says patience. Patience and long suffering with joy. Many of us lack patience. I think this patience, this patient thing, this this word patience is almost a word where I'm tired of hearing about it. (laughs) It it seems like my whole life is just waiting. Isn't the Christian life a life of waiting? I'm waiting upon the Lord. Okay, the Lord brought me through this. Now it's this. Okay, I have to wait now again. Okay, now I'm done with that. Now I go, oh, wait, wait some more, right? It's like, I think there's a term in the military, they use that uh, hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait, because they get ready so quick, and then they're just waiting around, right? The Christian is like, hurry up and wait. Lord, come on, show up, and then you wait. Patience, patience. The psalmist says, uh, I wait patiently, I waited patiently upon the Lord, and uh, I just, I, I think about that. I waited patiently upon the Lord. Um, I waited upon the Lord <laughs> you know, I was stressed out maybe as I waited on the Lord But how many of us could say that I waited patiently upon the Lord And I think the Lord would want to teach us patience You know Sometimes people may say don't pray for that Don't pray because then you're going to have trials come your way and And all these things are going to happen in your life because you're praying for patience But you know what that's not necessarily a bad thing that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, James, James says this in, in James 1. He says, My brother, encounter all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing the testing of your faith produces patience. But I like this end part. Because he, but then he says, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And so if we hold on to that verse, we realize this. Patience... It's a key for the believer in Christ It needs to have its perfect work. We need to have patience God teaches us patience by waiting waiting is not a bad thing. It's a good thing And think about this how many times have you prayed for something and you're just waiting like oh lord Come on, please. I want to do this. Oh, like yes, say yes say no say something, you know, and you're just waiting and you lose that desire and so that desire is gone but then you see a while like later that that wasn't a good thing. It wasn't a good thing you were praying about, and the desire's gone. Right? I, I've been um been thinking about getting a new car, and not like just thinking. And I like when I say thinking, I'm saying like I want a new car. So let me go to the dealership and let me just get a car. <laughs> not like doing any investigation. Not not looking at mileage and stuff like that just like i want a car and let me go get one and there i got a car but like the lord's been telling me like to wait and and you know i'm like okay i'll wait lord i'll wait all right it's like a hundred like I don't, it's not that hot but it feels like a hundred degrees out my ac's going out and i'm like oh, see i need to get a new car the ac's going out check engine light came on man i need see lord this is a sign i need a new car but the lord told me to wait And to be patient. And it's just hard because it's like, man, we want what we want, right, at times. But a good thing is when we're patient. Because something better comes along. And if you're in a season right now and and you're waiting, and it seems like you've been waiting forever, be patient. Know this, that something better is coming along. And the Lord may have you waiting for that very reason. That there's something better he has for you. We need to be patient. In verse 12, he says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and in, in the light. He says, giving thanks to the Father. Man, the Father, we have a heavenly Father. You know, many of us, we, maybe we can't relate to that. Maybe our earthly fathers weren't good fathers. You know, maybe they had flaws, they had problems. And so when we hear about a heavenly father, we may relate that father as our own father. But no, it's not, he's not like that. The heavenly father, man, he's a father of love, of gentleness, of kindness. He's a loving father who will come and wrap his arms around you. He's also a father that will chasten you. The Bible says that he chastens those who he loves, meaning he'll discipline you. If a father doesn't discipline their child, then he's not not acting in love. But God is a God of love. He's a loving father. And we need to remember that. It says that he has qualified us. Man, my qualifications, it has nothing to do with me and everything to do with what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He died for my sins. And so I am qualified because of that. I'm not qualified because I'm qualified or, you know, I'm, I'm reached some level of greatness. I'm qualified because of what Jesus did. And we are partakers of the earthly and heavenly inheritance. Man, when you give your life to Christ, it's okay. So when you give your life to Christ, he promised to, he promises Jesus to give you life abundantly. And so for many of us, we're like, cool, I want to live a good life. I'll accept Christ, but... The thing is, is this abundant living comes from serving the Lord. It, it comes from being, being, Jesus being the center of our lives. And, and when we live like that, we have an inheritance. We have an earthly inheritance. You know, as a believer in Christ, if you're walking with the Lord, there's just this protection that's around you because you're His. There's this protection that's around you as you're walking into this world. And there's these bad things going on in this stuff. And then there's you. You're protected by the Lord. That's an inheritance. You know, how many of you could go to sleep at night at peace? Just having that peace in your heart and your mind. Knowing, man, you know what? I love God. He loves me. Um, I'm trying my best for my family. I'm trying my best at things. And you know what, God? I love you and good night and just be at peace. You know, that's an inheritance. Man, this, this fellowship. You know, um... I don't. So many people. Probably apart from Christ, I would never know. <laughs> I would never know, and, and and I'm thinking like back apart from Christ, I probably had maybe two close friends, maybe you know, and and now it's like, man, it's almost everywhere I go within the city, I know somebody, you know. I, I ran into you guys at the mall, right? <laughs> We're hanging out for a while, <laughs> and so it's it's it's. It's it's a cool thing. It's a family man. I have like this inheritance I have a list of contacts on my phone and throughout the years I have family But then I have church family and the church family's like list is way longer than my family's list And that's just an inheritance at any given time. I could call up the church and ask for prayer ask for help If i'm moving I could have someone come and help me and and it's just this this blessing that comes with walking with the Lord This inheritance, but not only that we have a heavenly inheritance Man, we're going to heaven one day and and for many of us It may be a scary thing, you know the closer you get or I don't know It may be scary, you know, like like you're just like man one day i'll be in heaven, but you know what? Um man, that's our inheritance it, it, it's kind of like this like that's what you deserve it's not like that's what you get it's like you deserve heaven here it's like the heavenly father is saying come in well well done good and faithful servant here you are there's your inheritance there's your inheritance and and it's it's something that we should look forward to and and you know like like many of you i have struggles and you know whatever i mean I don't think I'm rich. I don't think I'm poor. I think I'm like in the middle, like financially, you know. But then I think, man, you know what? One day I'm gonna be rich in heaven. I'm gonna be rich in heaven. And all these trials, all these struggles, they're not gonna matter. You know, the the things that I worried about so much on this earth, the the worldly things didn't matter. What kind of car I drove, what I wore, <laughs> the things that have no. I don't know. They, it's just not going to matter. All, all that's going to matter one day is that I'm going to see Jesus, and I'm going to be in His presence in heaven. No more pain. No more suffering. And, and it's just going to be all good. And that's what we need to remind ourselves. Uh, he has delivered us. Uh, verse 13 and 14, as we close. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom you have redemption through the blood, through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now God the Father has delivered us. He set us free from the power of darkness. We were all in darkness at one point or the other. Before we come to Christ, we were in darkness. And as I said earlier, we need to remember that. We were in darkness. You know, um, I think a while ago, my wife, I was talking, um, and and, and she kind of rebuked me. Because I was like, man, I can't believe, you know, this person's um, drinking like that or doing this. And she just like kind of like looked at me. And, you know, if you're married, you know the wife's look, right? (laughs) And so I was like, what? And she's like, man, how quickly we forget, huh? And I was just like, whoa, yeah, you're right. How quickly we forget that I was like that. Apart from Christ, I would probably be doing that with them. And so we need to remember that, that the Lord has delivered us from darkness. We were in bondage. We were in bondage to sin. We, we couldn't stop. Before Christ, there was no reason for me to stop sinning. But even if I wanted to, I, I couldn't. You know, maybe you, you think about that time, those times where it was like, man, I'm doing this. I want to stop, but I can't. You know, the sin that was pleasurable, it, it wasn't pleasurable any longer. It was bondage. It was the same routine over and over again. And, and, and it was fun at one point, and at one point it changed and it became bondage. We were in bondage to sin. And, and since we were in bondage to this sin, and we were in darkness, and the Lord Jesus delivered us out of that, why would we want to go back to that? Why would we want to go back to that? The Bible refers to it as this, as a dog going back to its vomit. Do you know when dogs, um, when they vomit, if you don't pick it up or clean it up, they'll walk around and then they'll go back and they'll eat it. Yeah, that's sick, right? <laughs> but that's what they do. They'll eat it. They'll, they'll go back and eat it. And, and the Bible says that, man, we're like that. You know, we'll return to our vomit. And, and, and think about that. Like, we'll go back to that same sin that, was, that, that we were in bondage to, apart from Christ. I, I don't know why, but it just shows me that I need to stay closer to the Lord. The, to- the Bible does talk about sin being pleasurable, but only for a while. But Jesus came to save us from that sin. So you know what's pleasurable for me now? is to read my Bible. (laughs) What's pleasurable for me now is to come to church to fellowship with believers. And I just, I, I trip out sometimes because it's like, just the Lord changes people, you know? The Lord changes you where you're here tonight. And maybe you might think like, man, maybe 10 years ago, five years ago, maybe last week, I would never think that I would be at church on Sunday night. (laughs) <laughs> right? I would never think I would be at a church in, on Sunday night. But you know what? That's the power that Jesus has to save, to change. And he wants to be the center of our lives. Jesus needs to be our all in all and everything. He wants to be that. He needs to be that in our lives. If not, we're, we're not going to be able to stand. Through all this we could see, that we, are, um, that we are the center of God's love. You know, the, the, as you read through the Gospels, as you read through the entire Bible, you see that mankind is the center of God's love. In the Old Testament, God refers to the nation of Israel, and He says that they were the apple of my eye, meaning God's eye was upon them. In the New Testament, through Jesus Christ, it says in John three sixteen, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son to save Jesus came to save. And and, and that's love. That's love. Jesus coming into the world to save sinners. You know, you would think like, okay, well, maybe he would come to save the church here. These people, yeah, these kind people. But the Bible says, yet, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And now that's love right there. So we need to remember that we need to keep Jesus the center. We need to walk with God. We need to establish a walk with God daily. Set time apart every day to spend with Him. Surrender your will to God's will. Whatever your will is right now for your life apart from God, erase it. (laughs) Cancel it out. (laughs) Just throw it away. All right, forget it. The Bible says that I'm not my own. I I was bought with a price. I'm not my own. I belong to God. So now my own will, it's no good. It's not going to satisfy at the end. It's not going to make me happy. What I pursue, if it's my own will, years down the line, I'll be like, man, this wasn't it. So you need to get that out of your mind and surrender to Christ and do God's will. You need to trust that he has the best interest for you. His will is the best for your life. Obey what you already know to be God's will. Maybe tonight God is already showing you those things. Obey. Be obedient to that call. Be obedient to that, what God is showing you. Don't give up. Don't give in. People are going to put doubts in your mind. They're going to tell you, hey, you need to go do this. You need to do that. All these things. Don't. Obey what God is already showing you. God has already revealed so much to us. And many times we want to know so much more that we throw out what we do know. You know, we're we're like, what we do know, we forget. And we're like, oh, well, I know that, but let me move on to something else. No, obey what God is already showing you right now. Whatever the will of God is right now that he's showing you, obey that. Be obedient to that and see what he does with just you being obedient to that. I, I think Pastor Tony was talking about that this morning. You know, just simply being obedient to God and, and seeing what he does. Christ is supreme, and he wants to be the highest and the ultimate in our life. But the thing is, is he won't force himself upon us. He, he won't he won't demand that he becomes the center of your life. He'll do, di- different, he'll do different things in your life, diff- he'll create different circumstances in your life for you to, to get you to that point to set you up, but you have to walk through that door. You know, in the book of Revelation, right? He says, I stand at the door and I knock. He doesn't say, I stand at the door and I kick it down. (laughs) He doesn't say any of that. He says he stands at the door and he knocks. And, And so that shows that it's up to us whether we'll open the door for him or not. And my prayer tonight is that you would open your heart, open the door of your heart to Jesus Christ. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, Father, we come before you, Lord. And Father, we thank you for this night, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord, your word of encouragement, Lord. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Oh, Lord, where would we be without Jesus, our Savior, our champion? He is supreme. And Lord, may he be center of our lives. And Lord, if he's not the center of our lives, I pray that we would just repent. Maybe at, at a time he was the center of our lives. and Maybe our hearts have grown cold, have grown callous. Lord, may we return. May we return to you, Lord. And Father, may you take control of our lives. Lord, you want to do so much. And, and we, we expect so little, Lord. We expect so little of you, Lord. And yet you want to do so much, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would spend time with you, not not to not to show off of what we've learned, not to try to move up in uh the Christian rank, but we would spend time with you just because we love you and we want to know you. true Christianity and this is the only way. And I can know God through his word. I can know what he likes, what he dislikes. I can know the character of God. Apart from Christ, people say, oh, I believe in God. And they make up all these different things about God. Even God is a woman. (laughs) Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would help us in these days. That we would know the nature. We would know your nature and we would walk with you. And right now, with everyone's uh, eyes closed and heads bowed, if you're here tonight, and, 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 and maybe you realize that Jesus has not been the center of your life. He's not. You want him to be, but you know there's other things. You, you know there's, there's things that are, are greater. They're, they're of more importance to you. Maybe you wouldn't say it out, uh, you wouldn't speak it out and say, hey, this is more important than Jesus. But in the way that you're living and, and the way that you're thinking, that is. I want you to know tonight that God will not share the place in your life with anything or anyone. God loves you too much. He knows what's best for you. He knows that Jesus being the center of your life is the best thing for you. And so therefore, he'll remove that thing, unless you remove it now. If you're here tonight, and and you're sensing just that tug of the Holy Spirit, wanting you to once again make Jesus the center of your life, I would ask that you would stand up where you're at right now. And if you stand up, all you're doing is agreeing that, man, I need Jesus to be the center of my life once again he wants to be the center of your life he needs to be the center of your life your life depends upon it and if that's you here tonight and, and you are sensing man I need to return the good news of the gospel and the, good, the great news is this that God offers that, that time of repentance that, that time you could repent today and all is forgiven you could make things right today if that's you here tonight go ahead and stand up so we could pray for you and we'll continue to pray as uh, as David plays